NFL Sportsbox fans, and welcome back to Sportsbox. And it's hard to describe what the Cowboys weekend was. Obviously, a highly anticipated matchup uh, versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which brought in the highest viewership, which is um, expected because it's the Dallas Cowboys and they're playing on Sunday night. But I was thinking about it, and I was trying to think of a word. And I was going to give you guys a word that truly embodied what I what I was feeling on Sunday night, sitting on my couch, watching that game. Was it pain, sadness, disappointment? Uh, I, I don't even know. I, I could not give you an exact word to feel. It was just everything. In fact, maybe it was nothing. It was so pathetic of a performance that it was nothing. It was like rereading a story, but you already know how the story is going to end. But this time it was a little bit different. Because with every Cowboy season, you could say, oh yeah, I read that story and I know how the story ends. It's going to end in some disappointment or something. It's going to end in a playoff loss or a a gut-wrenching week 17, week 18 loss to your rival, the Eagles, or or just a, a field goal or something. But it's never happened this quick. It's never been... Look, last year, when the Dallas Cowboys played the Buccaneers, and they lost, I walked out of that game saying, yeah, we lost, but there's a lot of positives. Dak looked good. The offense looked good. Hell, the defense looked good. Even though, you know, at the end, Tom Brady had a, a drive that led to a game-winning field goal. I still walked out of that game head high and saying, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident about what the Dallas Cowboys can do this season. That is not the case <laughs> after this week one performance. And, I, and I, I truthfully can say, I don't think I've seen a team shatter this quick. I, I don't, I, I truthfully, I don't think I've seen a team fall apart this quick than the Dallas Cowboys. So where do I start? Well, I'm going to start with the game itself. Because the, the game itself is, to me, I think the game itself is just a mere mirage of what truly is the Dallas Cowboys franchise. And not just the Dallas Cowboys. I don't want to say Dallas Cowboys franchise because it's a very historic franchise and you know we've won five Super Bowls and, and all that. But in recent memory, what the Dallas Cowboys front office and franchise has been. But where do I start? Because <laughs> this offense was hard to watch. Really. I mean, I, I enjoyed watching the Texans-Colts game more than I enjoyed watching. Actually, no. In fact, I, I enjoyed watching the Bears 49ers game that was being played in a hurricane more than I enjoyed this Dallas Cowboy Buccaneers game. Truthfully. Honestly, truthfully. I mean, I'm not kidding. But where do I start? Because <laughs> there's a lot of problems with this offense. But I'm going to start with the man that's under center, but not under center for the next few weeks, obviously. But that is Dak Prescott. Now I'm I'm gonna defend Dak till the day I die. So I'm I'm not here to give you my whole spiel about oh Dak's awful, he's never gonna be that guy, or blah blah blah. Whatever. That's you can do that, but that's just 
that that doesn't make for a good podcast. But it is important to be critical. And that's what I'm going to be because Dak was bad. And 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 there's no there's there's no way, there's no getting around that because Dak Prescott played bad. And and it's it's as simple as that. He didn't look good. He made throws that were just not on target and some look like he was a rookie quarterback for some reason. I mean, if you go to the interception that Dak Prescott threw, um, the, the only interception he had, but still, I mean, he was throwing that into triple coverage. And not only was it like triple coverage, okay, the receiver could possibly make a play on the ball. Noah Brown was not going to make a play on that ball at all. I mean, that was that was just throwing it to the defense. And if it wasn't one guy picking it off, it was going to be the other guy. So that was the biggest red flag from the game. That interception was like, whoa, okay, what, why, like, explain that one to me. Like, it, honestly, explain that one to me because I, I don't know what you're looking at. I, I, I don't know what you're looking at. Unless you think the ball moves at the speed of light and it's just instantly going to drop in Noah Brown's hands. I don't know where you were going with that. So that was my first issue with the play of Dak Prescott. And we'll get to a little later about how this isn't totally on Dak Prescott's hands because of the receivers he's been dealt. But I will talk about C.D. Lamb because that is one guy that, man, if you, if you talk about a guy that has immense pressure on him, it is C.D. Lamb. It is C.D. Lamb without a doubt. The expectations coming into the season are sky high. Right, they are sky high. The expectation is that this guy was by the end of the season gonna be a top five receiver. Now, there's still plenty of the season left, but he didn't look good either. And I was hoping, I was hoping, I was really hoping that maybe we lose this game, right? Whatever. Maybe we lose this game, but I could still come out saying CD looked good. You know, the offense was moving, they were doing things. They scored three points. And those three points came in the first drive of the game. And that's it. That's it. So with CD, he was targeted 10 times, caught two balls. And he just, he wasn't getting open. Um, And for a guy that needs to be getting open, if there's any guy on the Dallas Cowboys that any guy in the receiving corps that needs to get open, it is CD Lamb. It is CeeDee Lamb that needs to get open. He's the one that is going to make those plays. And we need him to make those plays. Once again, I'm not going to sit here and critique every little thing. Because as much as this game and the offense was awful, it's still week one. And yes, it's looking bad right now. But I can't be like, oh, CeeDee Lamb's awful. CeeDee Lamb's awful. I can't just sit here and say that. And in fact, for the rest of this podcast, I'm not, my goal isn't to sound like every other media outlet that's going to tell you the patheticness of the Cowboys and how awful they were and just here and there like, oh, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. Because honestly, doesn't that just get boring? Honestly, doesn't that just get boring? If you hear the same people talk about, oh, this was bad, they suck, they suck, they suck, oh, they're bad, they're bad that guy's bad this offensive like it, it just gets repetitive and then sooner or later you're just like okay i'm gonna 
go watch House of Dragons. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm not going to try to be positive the whole time because the, the Cowboys came out, looked awful, and th- there's no gain around that. But I will talk about the one positive thing I saw, and it shocked me a little bit, was the rushing attack. The rushing attack for the Cowboys was something that I, I could legitimately hang my hat on and say, yeah, they they looked, I mean, at least Ezekiel Elliott looked good. He looked good. 10 carries for 52 yards, average 5.2 yards carry. And I don't know why they went away from that. I don't know why. The Cowboys also were first this week in team run block rate with an 83%. Why are you going away from that? And I I think this is going to be very interesting to see how the Cowboys handle this in the next few weeks. You have, Dak Prescott's now gone, right? We don't know the timeline. It could either be tomorrow or it could be 1,500 years. The timeline's kind of crazy, guys. I don't know. But that's obviously a sarcastic joke. It's, to me, it sounds like it's going to be six weeks is kind of the median. Jones says he could be back in four a doctor said he could be back in six or four. Four is not totally unrealistic. I, I don't know what's going to happen. He'll be back when he'll be back. But all I know is that Cooper Rush is going to be the quarterback this weekend versus Cincinnati Bengals. That is what I know. And so if I'm looking at the film, for, for any looking for the positives, I'm looking at that rush attack and say, okay, why did we go away from that? Why, why did we stop running the ball? When truthfully, it was the most successful thing Sunday night. And now you have a quarterback who's not very experienced. Yes, he has a Sunday night win versus the Minnesota Vikings, which was phenomenal last year. But on top of that, there's not a lot of guys that he's going to be able to throw to. Now, I would hope that CeeDee Lamb has a better performance this weekend. But overall, the receiver core does not scare anyone. But that's okay. I mean, no, that's honestly not okay. I don't know why I said that's okay. That's that's awful. And the Cowboys, whatever. We're not. We're getting into that in, in a sec. But why not run the ball? What do you have to lose? It was successful on Sunday, and you're going up against a top rushing defense. So why why not just run the ball? Like seriously, I I, I don't think it's an awful idea. Yeah, obviously. Don't run the ball every single snap so that it doesn't become, you know, like obvious. But why not run the ball? And that would help your receivers too. Put them more in one-on-one situations. Maybe put Lamb in a one-on-one situation if the run's working. And, And moving to my next point, the Dallas Cowboys defense was good. You can look at the scoreboard all you want and say, wow, 19 to 3, Cowboys defense didn't didn't look good but that first half that first half it could have been 40 to 3 it could have been 40 to 3 if it wasn't for the job of the Dallas Cowboys and specifically Micah Parsons guys I will die on a hill defending Micah Parsons that man is unbelievable he, he's unbelievable. In fact, he saved two touchdowns with two clutch sacks on third and goals. Two. Two. So, the the defense realistically looked good. Now, yeah, they gave up the seven points in the third quarter, but 
what could they do? Honestly, what could they do? The offense was not helping them at all. There wasn't, I mean, the offense was getting three and out, three and out, three and out. Maybe they get a first down, but then they got a punt. Offense wasn't helping them at all. But they were still able to keep this, and it's weird to say, but a manageable score. This game could have been out of the water. I mean, th- th- realistically, the Buccaneers could have had 50-3. to 50-3. to three. Could have been realistic. Could have been realistic. But the Dallas defense played well. Now, obviously, there were parts of it that didn't look well. I, I think some of the corners, Anthony Brown, he got burned a few times. But overall, the defense looked good. So I think to myself, and I say, okay, why don't the Cowboys play some smash, smash, smash mouth football? For the next few weeks while Dak's out. Why not? Why not just run the ball. Make make the throws that you got to make. And have the defense go hit people. Have the defense go hit people. Now it's still hard to be optimistic. Because the offensive line as much as I want to say. Was not great. And in fact. They had four false starts. Out of. The 10 penalties that they had. And, <laughs> and this is what I find the funniest part of the Dallas Cowboys, right? This is what I find the funniest part. And this is why Mike McCarthy will likely not be the head coach next season. Mike McCarthy, after the dreadful performance uh, that, the, that, that the Dallas Cowboys put on on Sunday, simply said that the penalties were inexcusable. And he's right. They were inexcusable. But that would have been nice if this was your first year being the head coach. You're now three years in, and this is a reoccurring theme. Last year, you in fact had 127 total penalties, which ranked first for the most penalties by any team in a regular season. So yes, it's inexcusable, but you've been the coach for three years now. And in fact, this offseason, you made it known that you had a... You had a a strict agenda on reducing those penalties. Well, you had 10 penalties this week, and, and, and I mean, I'll tell you what, that, that was one of the most penalized teams this, this week. So either you really weren't strict on it or they're just not listening to you. <laughs> one of the two, and either, either one is, is bad in your case. So I look at it and say, there's a lot of issues, but the run game looks good and the defense looks solid. You can win games by running the ball. It's not impossible. It's really not. So that brings me to my next point of what is this season going to be? What is it going to be? Because as we sit here, on the 14th of September, halfway through the week, Dak Prescott's gone for a few weeks. I mean, at, at least four is why I sound, but I think it's going to be six. We know that the offense is bad. We know it's bad. There's, there's not a lot of talent on receivers. Gallup's still out, which I will, I will put in, and I do think that Gallup coming back can help the receiving court a get better I I I believe that and I I think it'll help but overall what is this season now it's easy to just say oh this is a lost season 
And I'm halfway there with you. I'm halfway there with you saying this is a lost season. And actually, I'm, I'm, I'm close to saying it's a lost season, depending on what we see in the next few weeks. Um, I'm halfway there. But like I said, why not just look, what do you have to lose right now? You've got to be considered one of the worst teams in the NFL right now, truthfully. I mean, if we're being real, you've got to, I mean, you, you, you were one of the only, you were, sorry, not one of the, you were the only team to not score a touchdown this week. Only team. Only team. I mean, the Jaguars scored a touchdown. The Seahawks scored 17 points and beat the Denver Broncos with Geno Smith at quarterback. And you couldn't score a touchdown. With your $40 million quarterback and your CeeDee Lamb and your Ezekiel Elliott. And, you know, you couldn't do it. But Geno Smith could. So, it's close to saying it's a lost season. It's very close to saying it's a lost season. You have the Bengals this week. Then at the Giants. Then at home against the Commanders. Then at the Rams. And then at the Eagles. Look, if we're being realistic, there's I don't see a lot of wins in those next five games. But I'm very interested to see how the Cowboys come out this Sunday versus Cincinnati Bengals. I'm curious. Because it could go one of two ways. The Cowboys can honestly look at themselves in the mirror and say, season's over, we give up. Or they could look at it and say, what do we have to lose? And I think that should be the mentality for the rest of the season. You got embarrassed on national television in week one. People are always going to clown you. People are always going to clown the Cowboys. But what do you have to lose? What do, you, what do you honestly have to lose now? The Bengals didn't look great. Bengals didn't look great against Cincinnati. I mean, <laughs> the Bengals didn't look great against Pittsburgh. What do you have to lose? I, I, to me, I think that is the slogan you got to use this year. What is, what, what is there to lose? People think your season's already over. Okay, so what do you have to lose? But I want to get to my last point. And this is the point that I've been waiting to talk about. This is this is this is why I think the Cowboys have been set up to fail. And it's two names. Jerry Jones and Steven Jones. Those are two names that have set this team up to fail. And worst of it all, worst of it all, is they don't take the blame. Never. It's never Jerry Jones' fault. It's never Stephen Jones' fault. And I was thinking about it, I was thinking about it, I was talking to some people. If I'm the Dallas media, I'm calling for their job. I know they're the owner and whatever, and so realistically it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I'm calling for their job. Jerry Jones is general manager. If I'm a Dallas beat writer or I'm someone there and I know, they, you know they've got a good friendship and whatever, I'm telling Jerry Jones to step down from being general manager and actually hire a general manager. And I'm serious. Because everyone knows it. Everyone knows that the problem is Jerry Jones should at this point just be the owner. Just be the owner. Worry about ticket sales. Worry about boosters. Worry about all that. Don't worry about the team. I mean, worry about the team, but... Don't actually make the moves that affect how the team does, you know? 
So that's my biggest problem is they don't take the blame for any of this. They just think, oh, it's bad luck. Oh, man, Dak got hurt. It's bad luck. Oh, man, Dak can't throw. That's bad luck. No, Dak can't throw because none of his receivers can get open. And you know why none of his receivers can get open? Because simply they haven't played games. I mean, they had an undrafted free agent who I think is good, Dennis Houston, in the first string. Undrafted free agent. Now, look, Antonio Brown was an undrafted free agent. There was, pl- oh, sorry, not Antonio Brown was an undrafted free agent. There's plenty of great receivers that have r- risen the ranks from, at, from starting at an undrafted free agent. But that comes with some time. Not right off the bat in week one. So, like I talked about earlier, I think Dak had a bad game. He had a poor game. And there's no getting around that. But at the same time, the front office has not helped at all. At all. And it's really sad because as as defeating as the loss was to the 49ers last season... The Cowboys still went 12-5. and five. There was tons of positives still coming out of the season. Yes, the playoff success. Yes, that's still a problem. But you still made the playoffs. You had plenty of success. You had a great team around you. And then the Cowboys just made no effort to retain any of the valuable pieces that were free agents and that were departing. Randy Gregory, Leo Collins, Cedric Wilson. And then worst of all, worst of all, you pay your receiver $20 million, $20 million, and three years into that contract, you trade one of the best route runners in the league to the Cleveland Browns for a fifth and a six. I mean, what are we doing here? The Philadelphia Eagles got more for Jalen Rager than the Dallas Cowboys got for Mark Cooper. There's volumes to that. And then worst of all is not only did the Cowboys lose those players, right? Okay, they lost the players. It sucks. Let's go out and free agency, make some moves, fill those positions. No, we no, we like the we like the homegrown talent. We like we like building through the draft. Now don't get me wrong, building through the draft is great. Right. By the way, that was my impersonation of Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones in every press conference. Um, building through the draft is great. And there's no doubt about it. But when you're in a situation like the Cowboys are in, right, you've got your kind of stars, right? Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, CeeDee Lamb, Diggs, Parsons, Lawrence. When you got guys like that, and you sort of have a team around them, you're in that phase of, okay, we want to be in contention. So you have to go out and get guys that have already played, guys that have experience, guys that have already been through the NFL rigor. Look, maybe you'll hit on a gem, like a, Mike, a Micah Parsons, who off the bat was a beast. But in most cases... And especially with guys after the first round, it takes not a few, depending on your, but it takes time for them to develop, to develop. It's not just right off the bat. So yes, building through draft is great, 
But when you're in this kind of contention phase, you can't wait for those guys to develop. You you have to get guys that are ready to go week one, that have been in the NFL, that know what it is to be an NFL player, that have the experience, that have the, the stature to, you know, show you. And it's crazy to me that for a team that is the most valuable franchise, they don't like to spend money in free agency. It's crazy to me. It's crazy to me. It's like the Cowboys, Jerry Jones doesn't want to win, but he says he wants to win. It's like, <laughs> it's gonna, it's like you, you want to be great, but you don't put the work in to be great. You know? Like that that's kind of like the analogy that I can think of. You want to do something, but you don't want to put the work in to do it. And that's what I feel like it is with Jerry Jones. They don't want to put the work in, but they want to win a Super Bowl. That that those two, those two things don't they don't they don't go together. You've got to get the pieces to win the Super Bowl. That's just how it works. That that is just how it works. And so, like I said, I I, I don't know where the direction of this team is going to go. And we, we talked about it a little bit back. But I hope that the rushing Dak back is... I, actually, I don't hope they rush Dak back. Because why hurt your franchise quarterback more, more? If he comes back and he injures it worse, that could be severe damage. And he might not ever come back from that damage. The Joneses always need something as a scapegoat. It's a fact. They need something as a scapegoat because, like I said earlier, they can't take the blame for everything that they've done. How they've taken a team that was 12-5, poised for a, a, playoff, a playoff run, to now a team that was the only team that didn't score a touchdown this, this week. But they won't take the blame. And they're never going to take the blame. They're never going to take the blame. So thank you guys for joining me on this on this fun little Cowboys rant. Um, outside of the Cowboys, week one was great. Week one was great. I, I really enjoyed a lot of the games. I thought the Bears 49ers game that was in a complete hurricane was awesome. Uh, Steelers, Bengals, great game in OT. I enjoyed the Colts-Texans game. Uh, Vikings, I, I told you guys. I, I truthfully told you, the Vikings are just a better team, and they're going to win this division convincingly. Justin Jefferson is, in fact, that guy. Um, nine receptions for 184 yards, two touchdowns. Um, most of the bulk of that work was done in the first half. Um, in fact, I was playing against a guy this week that Justin Jefferson, he had 33 points in the first half. I mean, it was unreal performance. Uh, Chargers get away with a win. Chiefs look great, look dominant. Um and last of all, Baker doesn't get his revenge. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast. As always, I'm your host, Drew. Sign me off.